morning has been a morning of story, of reflection, of experiences that we've done, of invitation of those who've joined membership, which is, which is a story within a story within a story, of meeting new people, which is wonderful, all the stories that we have today. And I want to do something a little bit different as we pivot into a new story for the next couple of months. And uh, for, for me, I, I, it's, a, uh, what do you call it, ambitious, maybe. Uh, we're going to tell this, I'm going to try to tell the stories of the book of Revelation. Yeah, ooh, there you go. That's what I was, that's what I was, <laughs> ooh, yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, probably, hopefully, in a way that you've never heard before, uh, because I think it is, what would you say, the most complicatedly misunderstood books in the Bible, I'd say. And it's, next week it's going to be, uh, which I don't like to do, but I think it's necessary to do, basically an introduction into, this, into the story. Before we get into the actual narrative, an introduction of like who wrote it, the date, the timing, why it was written, kind of like that backstory kind of information. So it'll be a little more academic next week, I think. But I think it's necessary. Because what the book of Revelation is not... It is not a fortune-telling, future-casting book. It's not a code to be deciphered, to pick apart and try to find, you know, line up the, today's modern-day circumstances with the things that have happened in Revelation as if it's some sort of cryptic message for us to, to decode today. That's not what it is. And it's not just a historical book of things that happened in the past of just a narrative of, of 2,000 years ago, this is what the church was dealing with, and it's over, and it's done, and it's kind of a dead book. It's also not a just-today book. What does it mean right now or future? What's coming in the next, whatever, 100 years, 50 years, whatever? That imminent day Rick was talking about, of the day of the Lord. It's kind of all of those things. And it is a really complicated, simple, beautiful powerful book. The story of Revelation is remarkably powerful. And it is really complicated in the sense that it is filled, chalked, filled with symbology. Who's ever read through Revelation? Cover to cover. I grew up in, in a context where the book of Revelation was like, it was a code. We had someone come to our church a long time ago basically parsing out the, this like grid of like numbers and systems of trying to like literally decode the book. Wild stuff. And I remember some of my earliest memories of my, my dad who, who grew up in a similar context. He, he, I think it was 1984, 1986, he thought it was the, the end of the world. My dad is not a stupid man. He's a very pragmatic person. But somehow he was convinced through his church experience, that like, this was the end times. Like, we were living in the last days, like 1986, that's it. Who remembers Y2K? Yeah, I was, a, I was just a kid in Y2K. And we were like, oh my gosh, the whole world is going to stop, right? Computers are going to stop. Traffic lights. We better get water. You know, go to the stores. Because this is the end times. And Re this, Revelation talked about this. Not really. So, what we're going to do is go through that story, and uh, you're going to have to be gracious with me, 
because I don't want nasty letters. But I will have meaningful conversation. So, uh, but in order to do that, I thought it'd be really appropriate to actually start with what I think is maybe one of the more personal parts of Revelation, of the story of Revelation, and that's the letters to the seven churches. And I'm not going to go through them and decipher them and, and break them down. What I want us to do this morning is just sit in them. We're going to practice the ancient uh, practice of Lectio Divina. And I think Pastor Jason, if you are here before, Pastor Jason led you through that before, I believe. That's where I learned it from him. So if you know Pastor Jason, he, uh, he taught me Lectio Divina when I worked with him uh, many, many moons ago. And Lectio Divina is basically reading through the scriptures and letting the scriptures come to you. Letting the phrases, the words, a picture just kind of grab you. And so when you're practicing Lectio Divina, you're, not tr- you're, not, you're doing your best not to come with a, a presupposition or a bias. You're not trying to look for anything. You're not trying to understand it even. You're just letting the words, the sounds of the words kind of hit you, strike you. And if there's a word or a phrase or an image that stands out to you, you kind of take a moment to explore that. And so I'm going to read through it twice. And the first time, just kind of like let it, let it hit you. And then we'll, we'll move on from there. But these letters are super important because they're written to the church. There's lots of ways to try to understand what the seven churches mean, what, what they're about, who are they exactly. But we can have confidence that, that, that Jesus is instructing John to write letters to the church, the whole church. And there's different church, specific churches that have specific problems, specific issues, specific uh, qualities that set them apart from the others. And it's just a message that Jesus is writing to them. And so as I read them, maybe there's a particular church that stands out to you. Maybe there's a particular word within a church that that stands out to you. But I'm just going to read through. And I'm going to read fairly slowly. And I'm just going to let the words of John through Jesus or or Jesus through John, just strike your heart. This comes from Revelation 1, I believe verse 18. The seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven-branch gold menorah, do you want to know what's behind them? The seven stars, the angel of the seven churches, the menorah's seven branches are the seven churches. Write this to Ephesus, to the angel of the church, the one with the seven stars in his right fist grip, striding through the golden seven light circle, speaks. I've seen what you've done. Your hard work, hard work. Your refusal to quit. I know you can't stomach evil and that you weed out apostolic pretenders. 
I know your persistence, your courage in my cause, that you never wear out. But you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you, anyway? Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? A Lucifer fall. Turn back. Recover your dear early love. No time to waste. For I'm well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. You do have this to your credit. You hate the Nicolaitan business. I hate it too. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. I'm about to call each conqueror to dinner. I'm spreading a banquet of tree of life fruit, a supper plucked from God's orchard. Write this to Smyrna, to the angel of the church, the beginning and the ending, the first and the final one, the once dead and then come alive speaks. I can see your pain and poverty, constant pain, dire poverty. But I also see your wealth, and I hear the lie and the claims of those who pretend to be good Jews, who in fact belong to Satan's crowd. Fear nothing in the things you're about to suffer, but stay on guard. Fear nothing. The devil is about to throw you in jail for time of testing. Ten days. It won't last forever. Don't quit. Even if it costs you your life, stay there believing. I have a life crown sized ready for you. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. Christ's conquerors are safe from the devil death. Write this to Perganum, the angel of the church, the one with the sharp biting sword draws from the sheath of his mouth. Out come the sword words. I see where you live, right under the shadow of Satan's throne, but you continue boldly in my name. You never once denied my name, even when the pressure was the worst. When they martyred Anipus, my witness, who stayed faithful to me on Satan's turf. But why do you indulge that Balaam crowd? Don't you remember that Balaam was an enemy's agent, seducing Balak and sabotaging Israel's holy pilgrimage by throwing unholy parties? And why do you put up with the Nicolaitans who do the same thing? Enough. Don't give in to them. I'll be with you soon. I'm fed up and about to cut them to pieces with my sword-sharp words. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. I'll give the sacred manna to every conqueror. I'll also give a clear, smooth stone inscribed with a new name. Your secret new name. <coughs> Write this to Thyatira, the angel of the church. God's son, eyes, pours. Fire blaze, standing on feet of furnace-fired bronze, says this. I see everything you're doing for me. Impressive. The love and the faith, the servant, service and persistence. Yes, very impressive. You better get at it every day. But why do you let that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet mislead my dear servants into cross-denying self indulging religion. I gave her a chance to change her ways, but she has no intention of giving up a career in the God business. I'm about to lay her low, along with her partners, as they play their sex and religious games. The offspring, idolatering horror, I'll kill. Then every church will know that appearances don't impress me, 
I x-ray every motive and make sure you get what's coming to you. The rest of you Thyatirans, who have nothing to do with this outrage, who scorn this playing around with the devil that gets paraded as profundity, be assured I'll not make life any harder for you than it already is. Hold on to the truth you have until I get there. Here's the reward I have for every conqueror, everyone who keeps it, refusing to give up. You'll rule the nations. Your shepherd king rules, firm as an iron staff, the resistance fragile as clay pots. This was the gift my father gave me. I pass it along to you, and with it, the morning star. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. Write this to Sardis, the angel of the church, the one holding the seven spirits of God in one hand, a firm grip on the seven stars with the other speaks. I see right through your work. You have a reputation for vigor and zest, but you're dead, stone dead. Up on your feet, take a deep breath. Maybe there's life in you yet. But I wouldn't know it by looking at your busy work. Nothing of God's work has been completed. Your condition is desperate. Think of the gift you once had in your hand, the message you heard with your ears. Grasp it again and turn back to God. If you pull the covers back over your head and sleep on it, Oblivious to God, I'll return what's at least you least expected. Break into your life like a thief in the night. You still have a few followers of Jesus and Sardis who haven't ruined themselves wallowing in the muck of the world's ways. They'll walk with me on parade. They've proved their worth. Conquerors will march in the victory parade. Their name's indelible in the book of life. I'll lead them right up and present them by, my, to, by name to my Father and his angels, are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the seven churches. Write this to Philadelphia, to the angel of the church, the holy, the true, David's key in his hand, opening the door no one can lock, locking doors no one can open, speaks. I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength. I know that. You used, you used what you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me when times were rough. And I watch as I take those who call themselves true believers but are nothing of the kind. Pretenders of true membership is a, is a club of Satan. Watch as I strip off their pretensions and they're forced to acknowledge it. It's you that I've loved. Because you kept my word and my passionate patience, I'll keep you safe in a time of testing that will be here soon. And all over the earth, every man, woman, and child will be put to the test I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. Keep a tight grip on what you have so no one distracts you and steals your crown. I'll make each conqueror a pillar in the sanctuary of my God, a permanent position of honor. Then I'll write the names on you, the pillars, the name of God, the name of God's city and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and my new name. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. Write to Laodicea, to the angel of the church, God's, yes, the faithful and accurate witness, the first of God's creation says, I know you inside and out and find little to my liking. You're not cold, you're not hot. Far better to be cold or hot. You're stale, you're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. You brag, I'm rich, I've got it. I need nothing from anyone. 
oblivious that in fact you're a pitiful, blind beggar, threadbare, and homeless. Here's what I want you to do. Buy your gold from me, gold that's been through the refiner's fire, then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me, clothes designed in heaven. You've gone around half naked long enough. And buy medicine for your eyes from me so that you can see, really see. The people I love I call to account, prod and correct and guide, so they'll live at their best. Up on your feet then, about faced, run after God. Look at me, I stand at the door, I knock. If you hear my call and open the door, I'll come right and sit down to supper with you. Conquerors will sit alongside of my head table just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father. That's my gift to the conquerors. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. That's a lot of words. Did something jump out at you? Oh, you don't have to share. You could, you could just hold that. That's rhetorical. Not rhetorical. It's more private. Sorry. That was, I shouldn't have asked. In your heart, did something speak to you? Did a word or a phrase strike you? Yes, absolutely. Let's do that then. Let's open the floor. Yeah, Joan. Yeah. Listen. Listen. Yeah, he keeps saying that, eh? For the sake of time, I won't read it again because that took a lot longer than I thought it would. And I was, I was reading as fast as I thought I could. But let's, if you have something to say, did something stand out to you? The difference between the churches, the word listen... Be careful of hot and cold. Be hot or cold. It's better to be one or the other, right? Falling away. Falling away. Yes. Falling away. Coming back. God's longing. Yes. Absolutely. I thought it was harsh. Yes. I see a lot of heads nodding. That's harsh words. It is harsh. And it has to be harsh. It has to be harsh, yes. I prod those that I love. It reflects a very different portrait of the North American or Western Jesus that we mm. like to hone in on. Yes. In terms of particular words, his love, his grace, his kindness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's not the placid, genteel Jesus that maybe we exchange with. He, he's a he's he's a whipcracker. He has high expectations. Is that fair to say? Right, fighting upstream. Every church is in struggle. Every church has got issues. And contextual issues, different issues for different churches. I get the feeling that he's actually, he 
Mm. He's pleading. Yeah. So if we were to think individually about some of those words, for, for me, I think what stands out is like, whoa, what would Jesus say to me? <laughs> like, oh boy. <laughs> um, I don't think it would be the nice, calm, oh, I love you, buddy, you're such a great guy. I think there'd be a, a lot of firm, you know, uh, firm chastisement as much as there'd be the grace. Collectively, as a congregation, what would he say to Blue Mountain community? Now, I don't think we need to extrapolate those seven letters. I think those are particular to those churches. But in the spirit of that, what would Jesus say to us? What would he say? I think there's a, somewhat of a pattern. There's, a, there's kind of an acknowledgement of, of an encouragement. Great job. I love what you've done. He's really validating. He, Jesus starts with, a, with as, a, as a clinical counselor probably would, validating the story, except the last church. He's pretty harsh on. You know, this is what you're doing really well. This is what you've done. Boy, I see it. I, I love it. Thank you. This is what sets you apart. This is your strength. Here's where you're struggling. Here's what we need to do better. Here's where you were. Where, where did you go? Here's what you need to do to get back on track. Here's what you need to do to face the future. What would Jesus say to Blue Mountain? What would he say to the churches in this area? As preparation to enter this very complicated and beautiful and simple, powerful story of the revelation of Jesus, that's your homework for this week. Is just to sit, think, reflect, discern. Let Jesus speak to you individually. And what would he listen for? What do you think he would say to us as a congregation? And it's not something we're going to ask you to like share publicly. It's just a preparatory thing. It's not an accident that in this story of Revelation, these letters kind of come as a preamble to the, to the narrative. It's a direct kind of personal message of relationship, of, of love, of chastising, of standard, of expectation, of grace. And it is because Jesus loves his church so much. That's why he speaks that way. And then the, the story of Revelation comes where he just really packs it with encouragement. And that's what we want to do. Uh, what, what I would give you for homework this week to do is just sit and think and let Jesus speak to you as to what would he say to you and to this church. I'm going to pray, but before I do, I just want to thank everybody who shared a story today. So Janice and Jen and Rick and Shirley and Mike and Chrissy and who else? Am I missing anybody? Thank you for sharing. I know it's hard to be up here in front of people with eyeballs looking at you. But uh, thank you for sharing. Let's pray.
Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your chastisement. We thank you for your, your honesty. We thank you that you still speak, that you're not a dead God. You're not a, a God who's too far away and too distant and too far out in the cosmos that we can't hear, that we're, somehow the, the communication is lost through time and space. No, you are a personal God. You're a God that speaks to the hearts and minds of people. You're a God who speaks through your word, through your narrative. You speak in collection of, of others. We thank you that we can gather, that we have that privilege to be together, that this practice of churches and fellow followers of believers who've come together for 2,000 years, this long storied history of your work through us as your bride, we thank you for that. And so Jesus, this week, may you speak to us. May you speak to us individually, as people, as families. And Jesus, may you speak to us as a church. Jesus, I pray that we would have the courage and the capacity and the heart to just listen to your spirit wind blowing. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.